Hello, and welcome to The Filmographers. This is a podcast where every month we choose an actor, watch as much of their filmography as we possibly can, and talk about it. I am your host, Katie. I'm an actor and writer in New York. And joining me is your other host. I'm Lenny. I'm an editor for Hardwood and Hollywood.com, TV expert, casual movie watcher. <laughs> That's a pretty good description of you. And this month we are talking about the works of Kyle MacLachlan. I nominated him and he was voted on by our Twitter followers. So if you follow us at, at Lenny Burnham and at Katie L. Wright, you can vote on who are next. next. Are no next after next, yes. <laughs> who who are next? F- Do we want to tease them? Hmm? Oh, yeah. Next is going to be Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan was the tightest race we've had so far in yeah. the two Twitter polls <laughs> that we've had. So, yeah, follow us on Twitter. It's, a, it's an adventure over there. <laughs> All right. So, let's get into it. Disclaimer. Mm. Kyle MacLachlan had a lot of movies in the mid-90s that have been lost to the ages, so we did not watch them because they're, it's impossible for any human to find them. Maybe yes. like the public library would have a copy. <laughs> yeah, he had a very dark period between uh, Twin Peaks and Desperate Housewives, but he's back now, baby! Bigger than ever. Yes. Kyle MacLachlan's first movie was a little picture called Dune 1984, director David Lynch, and I thoroughly enjoyed Dune. It's just a twink fighting imperialism in space. Uh, It's got a lot of silly set pieces, and it's just a real, real fun time. And I'm giving it a worth it. (laughs) Yeah. I also really enjoyed this movie. I... It's so hated, and it is, uh, you know, an action-y space movie, which is not my thing, but it was really fun. It's so, it's a mess. It is not a good movie, but it's really enjoyable. The Spice is the Worm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you right now might be hiding something about the spice. I'm just going to levitate in circles around a cow to distract from that. Yeah, so I definitely will give Dune a worth it. Next up, also David Lynch. I nominated Kyle MacLachlan as a a trick on Lenny to get him to watch a bunch of David Lynch shit with me. If you guys get the feeling that we're doing this podcast versus each (laughs) other, that's pretty accurate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of us will not make it to the end. (laughs) Keep listening to find out who. Um, Blue Velvet is... Another David Lynch movie. It is little more straightforward than most of his movies. Well, significantly more straightforward than most of his movies, I would say. Uh, it's kind of just a like detective type story, uh, like a a young man and his young lady sweetheart get in over their heads. They get involved with a singer who's being blackmailed by this creepy criminal guy. It's really beautifully shot. It doesn't wear its weirdness on its sleeve quite as aggressively as a lot of David Lynch stuff does. Like, it's pretty linear and everything, but it's profoundly bizarre. I love this movie very much. And uh, we have two special awards and 
one award and one whatever the opposite of an award is a mark of shame that that we give out one per each filmography so i am giving this movie the gold star meaning that in all of uh kyle mclaughlin's filmography this is the one thing i think you should most make a point of watching because it is an important part of film history and a beautiful and perfect film um, as you may have guessed from the fact that Katie described this as tricking me into watching David Lynch, <laughs> I don't care for this shit at all. Uh, I feel like Blue Velvet's only purpose is to make you feel kind of uncomfortable for two hours. It's not even like like a, a gore torture porn thing that I almost understand. It's just like you'll be a little upset for a long time. <laughs> I feel like it's more than a little upsetting. Like I think it's like truly horrifying yeah and i love it a lot of david lynch stuff is horrifying yeah mostly boring yeah there's just something like so different about how your brain works and how my brain works because nothing scares me more than david lynch movies and and you're always you're always like that's just a woman in a clown suit and i'm like you don't get it everything with frank booth is so creepy and disgusting like he's a horrifying monster in a great way. I definitely think it's disgusting. <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin's young lady is in high school. <laughs> well, he's like a year out of high school. Right. Nah. David Lynch is still pretty obsessed with high school girls. Look, he is. Our next movie is The Hidden. It's a 1980s sci-fi buddy cop movie. It has this thing that I feel like a lot of 80s movies have where it just like doesn't quite feel like a movie to me. Like having a clear genre or like it doesn't quite feel plotted the way I'm used to movies being but I did enjoy it a lot and I thought the Kyle MacLachlan character was quite the little sweetie so I'm giving it a worth it yeah the Kyle MacLachlan character is is pretty fun the opening of the movie was like really uh disconcerting to me because I just like couldn't figure out like what type of movie I was supposed to be watching we knew from the plot description when we purchased it that uh that it has an alien in it but if it wasn't for that I would definitely think it's like a very realistic dramatic cop movie uh really takes its time being sci-fi yeah, it starts out as like a realistic cop movie and then there's just suddenly like a tentacle shoots out of a guy. Yeah. Hey, that doesn't belong in this movie. It had it had some fun aspects to it, but uh I think it's not really worth it. Oh, next up is The Doors, which is a biopic of the band The Doors, directed by Oliver Stone. And this movie, it's a biopic of The Doors, but it's mostly a biopic of Jim Morrison. Based on this movie is a horrible, horrible monster. This movie is pretty well made. The cinematography looks like pretty contemporary and it's like it's like a 20 year old movie. Like it looks good. Val Kilmer plays Jim Morrison and I thought that that was really weird casting before I watched it, but then he actually was really good. Kyle MacLachlan, also good as uh, his bandmate, whose name I never remember. Ray. Ray. Moon? I don't know. It's, there's no way it's Moon. (laughs) (laughs) There are, there's a lot going for this movie. I feel like it succeeds in doing what it wants to do, but I hated it. It was a miserable viewing experience. I hate Jim Morrison. 
I hate the music of The Doors. And I hate being asked to empathize with domestic abusers. And this movie had all of those things. Even though it's like pretty well made and well executed, I don't think it's worth it. Because it made me feel so bad on the inside. Yeah, I pretty much, you summed up everything I would say pretty well. And it's just like confusing, like who exactly it's for because like I like the idea of more biopics like exposing people and just being like let's be honest this person was shitty but it sort of felt like it was just for fans who are fine with watching him be terrible to his wife yeah it kind of felt like it was supposed to be like oh he's so complicated (laughs) he's not a perfect man but he made some great art like yeah it's a very frustrating experience, and I'm definitely going to give it a not worth it. Yeah. I wish The Doors had been, like, more through the perspective of his bandmates or, or like, through the viewpoint of the people around him, like, having to put up with him being a yeah. monster, and then I think it could have been really good. But it's not the route they went. <laughs> uh, Kyle MacLachlan, though, pretty sexy in this movie. Even though he's got weird 60s hair and 60s glasses, I was into it. Next is Twin Peaks, which is my favorite thing in Kyle MacLachlan's filmography. I gave Blue Velvet the gold star because I think it is the most perfect thing, but Twin Peaks has my heart, even though it's got so many flaws. So if you're not familiar with Twin Peaks, it is a story of a teenage girl in a small town in Washington who is murdered and an FBI agent is brought in to assist the local sheriff's department in investigating the murder. And it is very quirky and things get weirder and weirder as the investigation goes on. I love Twin Peaks very, very much. The first season especially is really amazingly creepy and funny and scary and full of great characters. Overall, I love Twin Peaks and it's amazing and I highly recommend it. Um, And I highly recommend skipping the middle part of season two, starting with when James leaves town on his motorcycle. I'm also going to give it a worth it mostly from the perspective of like, if you're looking for recommendations of stuff to watch Kyle MacLachlan, like obviously watch Twin Peaks. Like that has the best. Right. He's the main character. If you want to. Look at a bunch of Kyle McLaughlin. And it's like the sexiest Kyle McLaughlin. Cooper is like the the hottest of McLaughlins. IMO. Next is the Tales from the Crypt episode. Am I pronouncing this right? Carrion death? Carrion. Carrion. Is that a type of bird? Carrion is like a dead body, like carcass. If you don't know what Tales from the Crypt is, it's an analog series like uh the black mirror of the early 90s i guess oh sorry anthology series Mm. it opens on an animatronic skeleton making bad puns but it was a different time (laughs) and it's an adult aimed very (laughs) serious show and it tells scary stories and this is how i feel about a lot of anthology shows like the twilight zone and black mirror but it I feel like most of them take a story that, like, is a good four-sentence story and just, like, try to make it a full hour without adding a lot, and that is definitely what this episode did. Not worth it. 
Yeah, I don't necessarily feel that way about most anthology shows, but that was definitely true of this episode of this show. There is a cool idea in here, and it's an idea that could have been maybe a five-minute vignette or something. Um, It really does not have a full episode, but it is, like, trying to be legitimately scary, and it is, like, very... It gets, like, very gory and gross. There's a lot of just, like, really embarrassing parts of just, like, Kyle McLaughlin being like, I'm out here being a bad guy who just did a bunch of murders. I hope this vulture doesn't end up eating me. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty ridiculous. I honestly feel like the Crypt Keeper himself should have been the whole show, because I could watch that guy make terrible puns for the rest of my life. Absolutely. But but he just gets the bookends, so not worth it. running low on stories but like nothing like supernatural like this episode is like sort of scary because it's about death but it's not like what you think of when you think of scary stories yeah that's fair it's more of a like suspense type yeah, thing yeah it doesn't fit with something that would have a skeleton narrator yeah it could have been like a twilight zone maybe yeah Oh, next up is Where the Day Takes You. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about this movie. So it is um, uh, it is about a bunch of homeless, mostly drug-addicted street kids. It, it seems like it was funded by the D.A.R.E. program, basically. And it's, it's, it's kind of like an after-school special. Like, it's really just trying to say, like, don't run away from home and get addicted to drugs on the streets, kids, more than it's trying to, like, tell a story or have good characters. And so we just kind of follow a bunch of of these uh, street kids through their day. Kyle McLaughlin plays a drug dealer who is in a very emotionally abusive and homoerotically charged relationship with Sean Astin. This movie, like, has a lot that is (laughs) laughably enjoyable, like, hilariously bad, but it's got more that is just boring and overwrought. It's not worth it. But if you could find, like, a supercut of just the Kyle McLaughlin, Sean Astin scenes, I think that would be worth it, because that is where the money is. <laughs> yeah, I'm also giving it a not worth it. And yeah, like you said, it, like, just is all about message, but, like, it's, like, so shallow. Like, it just shows that, like, being a runaway is shitty, which I already knew. Like, it really seems like like there's... There's just, like, no no institution is criticized at any point. Like, therapists are portrayed in a good light. Police are portrayed in a good light. It's just really, like, don't get addicted to heroin on purpose like you were planning to. It really seems to think the leading cause of teen homelessness is teens running away from home because they decided they wanted to be away from home. Like, yeah, there's no causes shown. Also, I think what is really noteworthy about this movie is it has a lot of big names. Like, you already mentioned Kyle McLaughlin and Sean Astin. It also has uh, Lara Flynn Boyle, Dermot Mulroney, Will Smith is in this film. And I would venture to say pretty much all of those people are probably giving the worst performance of their career. Absolutely, yeah. It's like a combination of, like, 
a lot of them are pretty young and hadn't necessarily learned how to act that well yet, and also just the material being so, so bad. <laughs> yeah. So it is kind of interesting in that way. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the funniest part? We should. Like, who cares about spoilers? Yeah. Like, if you care about spoilers for fucking where the day takes you, uh, skip ahead a couple yeah. minutes. But we are doing you a favor by telling you the so one good. hilariously interesting part of it. It's just like, so Sean Astin dies tragically. And he dies in Kyle McLaughlin's apartment yeah. of a drug overdose. And Kyle McLaughlin just straight up throws his body in the trash. Not in a bag. <laughs> just like, and it's like daylight. Too. Yeah. Yeah. He just goes out to the alley in daylight and throws yeah. a body. In the yeah. Trash. yeah, you don't see him throwing the body in the trash, but he's like going out to take his garbage out and he opens the dumpster and you see that Sean Astin's body is in the dumpster. And, and Kyle McLaughlin's just like, do 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 do, throwing my garbage out. And it's so badly want it to be really dramatic and it looks so silly yeah it's hilarious that's the worst way you could ever try to dispose of a body like it's 10 feet from his door next is twin peaks fire walk with me which is a prequel film that came out after the end of Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks ended on a very unsatisfying note because they got canceled with such short notice. So of course, David Lynch made a film that was a prequel and would not be able to answer any of the questions that were left hanging. But I do really love Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. It is kind of a satisfying addition to Twin Peaks. Even though it doesn't actually answer any questions, it kind of uh, resolves some of the discrepancies between the parts of Twin Peaks that David Lynch was there for and the parts that happened without him. And it's much darker than the television series. Um, It's got a lot less of the comedy and a lot more of the darkness and melodrama. It's about the last week in the life of Laura Palmer. So obviously a movie that ends with its teenage girl protagonist being murdered is going to be pretty dark. And I'm sure that Lenny does not agree with me, but I find this movie so terrifying. It gives me nightmares every time I watch it, but I love it. Um, and it used it used to be very controversial. I know it was booed at its premiere at, I think it was at Cannes, and, and Twin Peak fans hated it. Uh, but I think that now people are coming around and it's more widely liked by the fan base. I love it. Definitely worth it. There's very, very, very little Kyle McLaughlin in it, though. So if you're just trying to get Max Kyle McLaughlin, not worth it for that. I'm going to give it a not worth it because it's mostly David Lynch's obsession with women being abused on screen and not very much else. (laughs) But that sour face lady (laughs) is all right in my book. (laughs) And David Bowie does a bad southern accent. Let's not forget about that. Next up is the Flintstones. Flintstones! And uh, I have a bone to pick with society in general because I feel like this movie is really looked back upon with distaste and condescension. But as we were watching it, I was like, this is a well-made film. It's got solid jokes. I think the, like, the aesthetic and the costuming are like spot on and, and it's like pretty hard to do that with a live action version of a cartoon. And uh, the casting is really great. John Goodman is a perfect Fred Flintstone. Uh, And it's got, like, uh, original music by the B-52s that's really fun. It's just overall a very 
solid picture that I highly recommend. Yeah, I really thought that I had seen this movie as a kid, but I guess I'd only seen Viva Rock Vegas. But this is like a really like fun family movie and it's really sweet and it and the jokes are really funny and I really enjoyed it a lot. And you're right, the it really captures the look of of the cartoon. And I don't even really like the cartoon. Yeah, I don't like it either. But it's like, it does a really good punch up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kyle MacLachlan is very well cast as just like a creepy villain. I sort of like the touch that Kyle MacLachlan and Holly ba- Halle Berry are like pretty much who you would cast as the corporate villains in like a serious movie of this time. So it's like, even though they're totally in on it, it's also like a kind of a genuine villain performance too. Yeah. Next is Showgirls, which is uh, well known for being a terrible movie. It is not available through legitimate means, <laughs> but we have uh, an underworld connection. I don't know what you're talking oh, about. My bad. Uh, <laughs> Showgirls is not a good movie. It is about a girl moving to Vegas to make it as a showgirl, and it's goofy and uh you know over the top and melodramatic and then uh culminates in a horrifying gang rape scene very weird i'm not like big on movies that are fun because they're bad in general but i really did enjoy watching most of this movie because it is like such a mess <laughs> and the main character is supposed to be a great dancer but she and she dances whenever she gets like really worked up emotionally like she's just got to dance her feelings out and I think it was our friend that we watched it with who said that she dances like Jimmy Jr. Uh, that was oh it was you terribly sorry she totally does dance like Jimmy Jr. from uh Bob's Burgers if that means anything to you I did have a lot of fun watching this. And there is some really bonkers sexuality in this movie. It's NC-17, so it's very graphic. There's a crazy-ass sex scene underneath a swimming pool. Involving Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah, involving Kyle McLaughlin. There's, there's a fair amount of horny McLaughlin in this movie. He gets a lap dance. He fucks in a swimming pool and gets an underwater blowjob from the main character. I gotta say, I think this one is worth it. Because even though, like, it descends into a darkness that it shouldn't have at the end, it's, for most of it, it is really fun and crazy over the top. All I ever wanted was to see Kyle MacLachlan fuck a girl in a swimming pool while she's flopping around on the surface of the water like a, like a fish on dry land, and this movie delivered that. Yeah, I'm also going to give it a worth it, mostly because, like... It's a shared cultural experience. If no one had heard of this movie and you just had to walk the earth with the burden of having watched Showgirls alone, I would not recommend it. But yeah, it's very fun. It definitely lives up to its reputation as a movie that just makes a lot of perplexing decisions. Like, basic stuff, like what is considered to be good dancing. Like, she goes from being a stripper to being in a legitimate Vegas show and there's like almost no difference except for just like how many dancers there are and like how nice the venue is. Yeah. The legitimate Vegas show is so trashy and so naked. It's very weird. Yeah. Biggest complaint other than that 
it uh, del- the the darkness it delves into, which is really which like punishes the person who is the only good person in the entire yeah. movie, which I guess makes sense from an emotional investment standpoint, but still. Ugh. Yeah. My other complaint is that there's no lesbian action, which I think is insane because like it's so graphic in so many ways, and like they really, really make it clear that the Jennifer Gershon character wants to fuck Elizabeth Berkley, and I just don't know why not because they're not holding back in any other way except for the lesbian shit. Yeah, that's so weird. Next up is a movie called The Trigger Effect. This was a drama that starred Kama Coughlin, Elizabeth Shue, and Dermot Mulroney. And it basically shows uh, a power outage that leads to sort of a series of conflicts for a neighborhood. At the end of the movie, I noticed it said it was adapted from a miniseries, which makes, which made the whole thing make a lot more sense to me because it really tells like four stories, like four complete stories in a row that just happen to be about the same characters. So that is like really disorienting because it's just not formatted like a movie. But once you once you reach the end and have acclimated to the way the story is told, I think it's like a really solid film. I guess this is a little bit of a spoiler. Uh, but uh, you sort of think it's gonna escalate and escalate and then be like, humans are capable of the worst things when pushed to the edge. And instead, there's a de-escalation and I thought that was actually a really nice touch yeah this movie I really expected that it would be terrible just based on I don't know the vibe I got from the cover art and the fact that it's about just like uh, people's worst natures coming out during a blackout I was not excited for it I really enjoyed it and the main character's who I sort of felt at the beginning were just going to be, like, generic kind of, like, action-y characters were, felt really distinctive, and I really was interested in their relationship. I feel like it deserves to be uh, remembered and watched occasionally, so (laughs) I would definitely say it's worth it. It's got a young Michael Rooker. Yes, he's really good. He was really good. He's creepy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And also, uh... There's some good uh, Kyle McLaughlin and Elizabeth Shue action for Daddy. Yeah, there's some great horny McLaughlin. Next, we watched Hamlet, uh, which came out in 2000, I think. It is one of those things where it's Shakespeare's words, but it's set in modern times, and it's like, just accept that, you know, these people are watching a movie and then talking in Elizabethan (laughs) iambic pentameter. (laughs) And it's, you know, it's Shakespeare, so it's fine. (laughs) Uh, There's so much Hamlet out there. Like, if you're going to watch a Hamlet, this doesn't need to be the Hamlet. I feel like this one is not worth it. I'm going to give it a worth it, and I'm going to say I feel like everyone already pretty much knows how interested they are in a modern adaptation of Shakespeare. It's like, you don't need our recommendations. But I do think I actually like this better than Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet because I feel like it makes sense to make, like, Hamlet a douchey film student and Claudius a CEO. Like, I feel like it all translated culturally pretty well, whereas, like, in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, they're, like, surfer gangsters or something. Like, it doesn't... (laughs) really jive. Yeah. I'm gonna give it my signature better than Buzz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> nice. Next up is a little movie called Exchange. Oh my uh, god. 
and I just want to say, first off, that I'm mad at some of you listening to this because I tweeted, <laughs> should I pay money for a movie with a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes that stars Stephen Baldwin? And all you monsters said yes. Was it a unanimous yes? Yeah. <laughs> so we watched Exchange, uh, which is a Stephen Baldwin movie where the concept is that in the future people have obviously decided the best way to travel is to just jump into the body of someone who's in the place where you want to travel. And that definitely sounds like it could be fun bad, but I found this to be distinctly bad bad. Like, a lot of these trashier movies, like Where the Day Takes You and Showgirls, had several points where I laughed out loud. I don't think Exchange ever got more than, like, a like chuckle or, like, a huh from me. And it's getting my black ball, meaning it's the one I think you should definitely not watch, no matter what your Twitter followers say. (laughs) Yeah, this movie, like, it starts out pretty bad. And then very early on, there's a body swap. And where you once had Kyle MacLachlan as your lead, now it's Stephen Baldwin all the way. And it really makes you appreciate the craft of acting because... The movie was already unenjoyable, and it becomes aggressively unwatchable from that point on. And the cover really strongly implies that Kyle MacLachlan and Stephen Baldwin switch bodies, and they're the two leads. But there's a third actor, Kim Coates, who I have no beef with. Yeah, uh, Kim Coates was good. In the mix, and so there's... A series of exchanges, as it were, (laughs) that lead to Kyle MacLachlan being completely discarded and it mostly being Stephen Baldwin. Yeah. I really feel like this is a rare movie that fails on every level. I don't, I, it truly deserves that 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know how anyone could give it a positive review. It has nothing to offer anyone and I too am giving it the black ball. Oh, next up is Sex and the City. Uh, so Kyle MacLachlan had uh, an arc that lasted... About 25 episodes, I think? Yeah, like, just over one season, right? He, like, was mostly in one season, and then he kind of stretched into another. Um, he is, uh, Charlotte's boyfriend, and very, very quickly, (laughs) her husband. They really rush into marriage and, uh, live to regret it. And he he plays a kind of uh, McLaughlin-y, uptight rich guy. Uh, Has a lot of sexual difficulties, and that puts a big strain on his relationship with Charlotte, which I enjoyed. But then it kind of it kind of becomes a thing of like he can only get it up if they're divorced at the time or something. Uh, So that's kind of weird. But I you know I haven't really watched a lot of Sex in the City. This is definitely the most Sex in the City I've ever watched, and I. It's not a good show, but I truly enjoyed it, and I would watch more. So I will give it a worth it, especially because Kyle MacLachlan uh, is uh, pretty hot. I'm also going to give it a worth it, and I also agree that it's not a good show objectively. (laughs) There's something very watchable about it. Like We have a rule where we don't have to watch everyone's uh, every episode of something if the actor is in like a ton of episodes, but we just kept watching Sex and the City until the end of Kyle MacLachlan's run. Yeah, I thought, especially the Kyle MacLachlan and Charlotte relationship was pretty interesting because, like, it's terrible, but in a way where, like, you kind of root for them. Like, they just keep making terrible decisions together. So you're like, I guess they're soulmates because they're on the same page. 
Lesnar and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And they like rimming each other. Hey. And uh, there's a scene of Kyle MacLachlan sweaty and wearing just little white shorts <laughs> and angrily playing tennis that I dig. But I also want to mention there's one episode that is wildly transphobic uh, and really upsetting. Like, it's like, I know this is an old show, but I feel like there are other old shows where I'm like, oh, they didn't know the proper way to talk about things. Okay. But this one, there's really like a level of hate to it. Yeah. And like, that's the worst, that's definitely the worst offender. But in general, this show is really weird about LGBT people. Yeah, it is. It's so weird that they like chose to have Samantha start dating a woman and like handled it pretty well. Like, I, like, I didn't think that there was anything really weird about the way they handled Samantha dating a woman, because, like, every other time anything related to LGBT people comes up, it is, like, so dripping with hatred. <laughs> Charlotte and Miranda um, also, like, make a lot of terrible decisions, but, like, you understand why it's because of, like, flaws that they have. But when Carrie does terrible things, it just, like, feels completely brushed over, like... It just feels like the narrative itself and also every other character is never like, dude, Carrie, what you just did is, like, really shitty. <laughs> Next up is Justice League, The New Frontier, in which Kyle MacLachlan plays Superman, which I thought would be extremely my shit. But this is, like, a weird, like, adult-aimed, trying-to-be-edgy Justice League cartoon, and it's like, oh, God, it's trying really, really hard to be political in a way where it doesn't actually have anything to say. It'll just be like, the Vietnam War is a thing that happened. A lot of it is the Green Lantern voiced by David Boreanaz. <laughs> it's not even the Green Lantern. It's Hal Jordan. And at oh, yeah. like the 90-minute mark, he gets Green Lantern powers. <laughs> That's it's right. so weird. <laughs> Super weird. Um, yeah, I definitely think it is one of the most bumbling, failed... DC cartoons I've seen and I've seen quite a few of them <laughs> yeah uh you pretty much covered it this this thing was just crazy boring and had like such a grim tone ugh. Just, ugh. no thank you <laughs> next up is peace love and misunderstanding which is a movie that I did not know existed and I kind of feel like I should have it's got Kyle McLaughlin build higher than he should be because he's in maybe two minutes of this movie it, he's married to Catherine Keener and and in the very beginning of the movie they split up and she takes her two older teen children I think one's in high school and one's in college to stay with her mom Catherine Keener is like a kind of uh, businessy type lady and her mom's a crazy hippie her mom is somebody famous, right? Jane Who is her Fonda. mom? Jane Fonda, that's right. Which, yeah, made it super weird that we both never heard of this movie. Yeah, it's got, like, a good cast. Elizabeth Olsen is her daughter, and her son is the kid from Admission, Admission right? Matt Wolf. Yeah. So, yeah, it's got it's got a good cast. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is, like, a love interest for the mom. And it's, like, pretty okay. I wouldn't call it excessively coherent. It's kind of aimless. It's not great, but there was something about it that was kind of soothing. I don't know. It's kind of, I kind of have a soft spot for reuniting families in like 
nice nature settings. Like the grandma lives, I don't know, in some kind of like small town on like a little farm type thing. I, I don't know. It was sort of comfort food-ish to me. So I would give it a just the softest and mildest worth it you could ever imagine. But don't go in expecting to see Kyle MacLachlan because he may as well not exist. Yeah, I didn't hate it, but I am going to give it a not worth it just because I feel like this has been done so many times before that it should be pretty easy to pull off. But like, you know, she's an uptight woman who lets herself loose and somehow that's like really hard to follow. Like, it's like... It just did not deliver on a pretty simple premise in the script. Next up is two Law & Order SVU episodes. It's that classic thing where a couple years apart, he played completely different Law & Order <laughs> SVU yeah. They do this so much. It's so <laughs> hilarious. The episodes are Blood Brothers and Conscience. Um... I'm going to give them both a not worth it, but I th- do think that Conscience is better if you want to watch one. I found Blood Brothers, like, pretty hard to follow and uninteresting, and Conscience is, like, insane, but I was pretty much on the edge of my seat the whole time. And they're both pretty much, you know, if you like SVU, it's SVU, but uh, it, I'm giving it a not worth it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, You'll see it on USA when you're sick eventually. <laughs> It's about a teen girl who gets pregnant and, like, they're investigating oh, right. for a while. And I'm not really sure, like, how they know anything illegal happened. Because, like, for a while right. they think another teen had sex with her. And I feel like yeah. she's like, yeah, I wanted to do it. And they just, like, keep pursuing this case. And you're not totally sure why. Yeah. Very weird. And then the, like, re- the thing it leads to has absolutely nothing yeah. to do with that girl it's yeah, really like weird that's a weird thing i guess because svu has been on for so long that sometimes they'll just like end up investigating a murder or something just because it like was in their path and it's like that's not how jurisdiction works <laughs> yeah it's like how the simpsons sometimes does like yeah. <laughs> crazy winding twists where 15 minutes in it's about something totally different i just want to say it is so weird that law and order will let you play one character and then two years later play another character because like for Orange is the New Black I don't want to brag but I was an extra on one episode of Orange is the New Black (laughs) and on on subsequent uh calls for extras for Orange is the New Black they're like you cannot be an extra on this if you have been an extra on the show before so they're like we don't want somebody in the background of uh of this flashback to the 70s to weirdly look exactly like somebody in the background of this cafeteria scene but law and order is like yeah come mclaughlin's two people who cares (laughs) you know svu just like started in a time when the rules of tv were different and Mm. it's just like shouldn't have bridged into present day television (laughs) but it did fair enough Oh, next up is Desperate Housewives, which uh, I did not rewatch for this because I have watched it in the past, but I watched it a long time ago. So now I feel like I should have rewatched it now. Kyle MacLachlan plays Bree's second husband, Orson Hodge, who is a real fucking piece of shit, (laughs) but not in the way that a lot of characters on that show are a piece of shit. He's not a murderer or like abusive or anything. He just sucks he's just not a great not a great guy but uh he does give Bree Hodgman Bree Bree Hodge sorry terribly sorry (laughs) 
she's not married to John Hodgman. She he does give Brie Hodge her first orgasm. So I give him a 10 out of 10 and I give the show a 10 out of 10. No, I do like Desperate Housewives, even though it's a crazy mess. It's it delivers on all the things that uh, like daytime soap operas fail to deliver on. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm giving Desperate Housewives a soft worth it. It's like definitely trash that has made so many mistakes. <laughs> uh, but when it's good, it's a lot of fun. And I agree with Katie that Orson is a piece of shit. Yeah. It's like the saddest scene in all of Desperate Housewives is when Brie tries to give Orson a lap dance. Is it right after he he uh, gets in a wheelchair and Maybe. she's like trying to cheer him up, I think? And he's just like hates it and he's so shitty about it and then she's like trying to take her sweater off and it gets stuck on her head and it's very embarrassing it's heartbreaking fuck Orson Hodge forever next up is the funnier die sketch Muppets versus Goldman Sachs and uh I guess this came out at a time when people were really hurting because it's just a lot of people saying that uh Goldman Sachs is shitty and ruined the economy and no jokes. <laughs> so I give it a not worth it, even though it's only two minutes long. Yeah. Yeah, it is definitely not worth it. It is so unfunny. Like the jokes that there are are like such boilerplate, like just uh, antique <laughs> jokes, yeah, just dredged so... up from some 50s comedy routine. So many of them are just like, hey, Let's deprive our employees of raises, but give raises to ourselves. After all, that's the kind of thing we do. <laughs> yeah. It's like that level of satire. Yeah, it's really bad. It also drives me crazy that they're like generic Muppets. Like it's called the Muppets versus Goldman Sachs, and then they're just like these puppets you've never seen before. Like if you're gonna have the Muppets right in the name of the sketch, yeah, I wanna see really, a recognizable Muppet. They're really lying to us for clicks. Yeah. Next up is How I Met Your Mother, which is a CBS sitcom that I'm kind of fascinated by as a a student of TV comedy because it's like the writers put so much work into it in some ways. Like, it's so intricately plotted. Like, they'll be like, you know, they'll like suddenly have something show up in Lily's apartment and then like three seasons later you find out that here's when she bought it and like it's so carefully written in some ways. But then underneath all that, it's like the most basic King of Queens, two and a half men <laughs> comedy imaginable. And um, it's just uh, it's just really weird what they choose to prioritize in that writer's room. Pam McLaughlin plays a guy called the captain who's married to one of Ted Mosby's thousands of love interests uh and delightfully long after that Ted Mosby girlfriend is no more they just keep coming <laughs> around and just like find excuses for him to still be relevant thank god mm-hmm. and I really enjoy the Kyle MacLachlan character because he's just like kind like he's kind of a douche but like mostly harmless and there's like a lot of jokes about how he seems kind of murderous but in like a silly way so I really like that character but um overall I'm still giving the episodes 
uh, he's in a Not Worth It because How I Met Your Mother is just so weird to me. Like, one of the episodes, uh, one of the plots is, like, Ted keeps misremembering it, so we're, like, watching wrong stuff happen because he doesn't know how to narrate, and it's, like, it's weird to see television that's experimental and also that basic as fuck because it basically just boils down to some like chauvinist jokes once you get past all the like weird narrative of it um and uh never forget that barney stinson it could reasonably be called a race a rapist and they're still just all friends with him yeah and a racist. I I have no evidence to back that up, but I feel I feel yeah, in my heart that it's true. That <laughs> Barney Stinson is so weird because he's like basically exactly Dennis Reynolds if it was just never oh acknowledged God. that this is horrifying. Oh my God, I've never thought of that before, but you're totally right. Uh, yeah, I feel like you pretty much covered it. Uh, no one ever needs to watch this show. Uh, yeah, it is so it is so weird that like they're kind of doing something really bold with their format, but they're so unadventurous in their sense of humor. Not worth it. Hey guys, this is Liam Sr. I'm the producer of The Filmographers. I just want to give you a quick heads up. A little bit of audio was lost uh, when the files were transferred. So basically what happens between this, uh, the part you just heard and the part that I'm going to drop you in, they talk about a couple of TV shows that Kyle MacLachlan guest starred on, uh, The Good Wife, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then they segue that into Inside Out, the Pixar movie where he plays the main protagonist's father. Um, so sorry about that. Uh, the rest of the podcast is still great. And get ready to hear the ending of their conversation about Inside Out. Enjoy. So I'm definitely giving Inside Out my gold star, even though uh, it doesn't have a ton of Kyle MacLachlan in it. It's so much better than anything else he's in. It's still my biggest recommendation. I do not like this movie very much. It's okay, but for the amount of praise and admiration it gets, I just uh, I just don't get it. Um, it's I like the animation, um, and the story is pretty good, but it just didn't really I didn't really connect with it emotionally, and I didn't really think it was up to the same level of uh some of pixar's uh best movies but i believe that it probably is uh important for kids just from my perspective uh as an adult viewer with no joy in my heart i it i wasn't really that interested in it um i would still say it's worth it it it's a nice movie but it's uh it's not my favorite next is Gravity Falls, which I think is uh, probably one of the best TV shows ever made. Definitely one of the best children's TV shows ever made. And the episode Kyle MacLachlan's in is the series finale uh, where everything comes together and you get to see the cute little kids save the town. And uh, it's really, it's got a lot of solid jokes. The character stuff is really great. Oscar winner J.K. Simmons post-Oscar plays their <laughs> uncle. It's, yeah, it's really great, and I'm going to give it a worth it, but with the no, with two caveats. One, Kyle MacLachlan has, like, two lines, and they're not especially interesting lines. And 
too, like, it's the series finale and it's a very plot-heavy show and you're a huge weirdo if you just watched this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely also think this is worth it. It's kind of, um, it's kind of like Twin Peaks, but a children's animated show. Or, like, X-Files, but a children's animated show. It's really fun and... And it's, it's, you know, overall lighthearted and funny, but it's sometimes genuinely creepy. And definitely if I was a kid watching it, I would think it was uh, really scary sometimes. Um, and the series main villain is, uh, like, one of my favorite characters, I think. He's so weird, and I adore him. Yeah, definitely worth it. But don't go straight to the series finale. That's You're insane. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is Portlandia which started as like kind of a sketch show and has kind of morphed into more of a sitcom in the last season or two. It stars Fred Armisen and Carrie Brownstein and it's very funny. And uh, Kyle MacLachlan plays the mayor of Portland and also in one episode, the mayor of Austin <laughs> because all hipster cities have mayors who are identical to each other, which I find I really like that. I think that's really, really funny. Um, but yeah, Port- Portlandia, I really like the earlier seasons where it's more sketch and it's like a bunch of somewhat interwoven but mostly separate like character sketch type scenes. Uh, and the the newer stuff that is more like just following Carrie and Fred is still good, but I, uh, I liked it better the old way there i said it but yeah it's still it's a really funny show um and uh it's it's definitely worth it it's definitely worth it yeah i'm also giving it a worth it i really love sketch shows that end up having like a rich continuity i also like um crawl show a lot Mm -hmm. uh i would love for more sketch shows to do that because it's really fun to be like oh I remember when those characters who are reappearing like first got together <laughs> and also me and Katie are both from the northwest and I think it's like extremely accurate <laughs> there's like a certain folksiness combined <laughs> with a certain smugness yeah. that they really <laughs> capture there's just like weird things like when um when Carrie starts wearing a hat and Fred's like what's a hat and she's like did you just ask me what a hat is where it's like on the one hand that's so absurd but i also kind of know what they mean <laughs> all right so we're we're ending it at twin peaks second episode in a row that ends with twin peaks return. <laughs> that's right i talked about twin peaks the return last week i fucking love this show it's really it's a great continuation of the series that is totally different from the original series. Kyle MacLachlan is playing two totally different characters. Um, One of them is the same character that he played, technically, but uh, he's... He's going through some stuff. stuff. Heck of a time. Yeah, he, he, he's, oh, things are, things are, oh boy. (laughs) Um, He is uh, basically playing a a terrifying Satan-like villain, and then also a little two-year-old in a 60-year-old man's body. Who loves to fuck. (laughs) Who loves to fuck. Like, it really shows what a great actor Kyle MacLachlan is. Like, he's, he's creating two very, very different and really great performances on this show. But yes, definitely watch this. Definitely worth it. But watch Twin Peaks and watch Firewalk with me first. You are required to do all of those things. I know I'm asking for like 100 hours of your life, but it's worth it. Katie. Yeah. I thought 
thought it was a wonderful, weird Lynchian touch that you called the David DeSmolchin episode last week because we recorded it earlier today from our perspective, and the listeners probably heard it last month, so it is not last week for anyone unless they happened to wait a week in between episodes, coincidentally. Uh... Where we come from, the birds sing a pretty song. Um, I think that last week, to use the colloquialism... As they say. Yes, uh, I gave this a not worth it because that was the David DeSmolchin episode, but I'm now going to give it a, like, obviously, if you're seeking out Kyle MacLachlan stuff, this is worth it because mm. it's got a shit ton of Kyle MacLachlan. Yeah, and because he loves to fuck. At this point, canonly, all three of his characters love to fuck. <laughs> final thoughts i think one of the things i found really fun for this like well we started with david dismulchin who became an actor like pretty recently and um sort of is basically becoming more and more successful and there's something really fun and kind of inspiring about doing kyle mclaughlin because there's just so many ebbs and flows in his (laughs) career and it just like really sort of made you think about how like success is not linear and you know sometimes you're starring in Blue Velvet and everyone's talking about how great Blue Velvet is and sometimes you're in a series of TV movies that no one's heard of and then sometimes you're on Twin Peaks The Return and it's a huge hit and I found that like really comforting and nice to think about. I think Kyle McLaughlin's definitely talented at like he's got a lot of natural talent and I think that in you know Dune and Blue Velvet he's definitely like good but I feel like recently he's just like really become an excellent actor and like stuff that I didn't especially like, like How I Met Your Mother and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and The Good Wife, I thought he, like, really brought it in, like, mediocre roles, and it's pretty exciting to see someone, like, in their 50s just, like, killing it at the craft of acting. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good point. I think it's really interesting that Kyle MacLachlan started out with, like, a level of success and prestige, like, right off at the beginning of his film career that, like, felt totally unfair like he he starred in dune which was which was a disaster but like what was supposed to be a huge movie it was his first movie he was the star and then he started in blue velvet which is like a, a huge part of the film canon and he starred in twin peaks these are all david lynch i guess he really owed it to david lynch but he's like right out of the gate he's like exclusively starring in like these huge huge or very noteworthy things and I was like damn he was really he really lived a charmed life but then oh the 90s rolled around (laughs) and old Kyle McLaughlin had to pay the piper so it really feels like he didn't have to pay his dues before he became a movie star but like he had to pay his dues later (laughs) he was just on a payment plan Uh, so I just think that's interesting yeah um as far as, like, what my ideal future for Kyle MacLachlan would be, I, I like him in serious roles, but I do really want to see him play more, like, cartoonish bad guys, like the guy in the Flintstones movie or, like, the mayor in Portlandia. Like, he's just so good at being, like, a weird creep in a, like... I mean, he can be a weird creep in an NC-17 way, but he's also really adorable as a weird creep in, like, a PG way. And I would totally watch him be like a villain in some Disney movies or something. <laughs> I also I know I also said I want to see David Smallchin play a bunch of cute villains, but that's look. That's what you want from me. <laughs> You're not on trial here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Katie's the one who keeps picking queepy dudes. <laughs> I, Lenny, I know you say I keep picking queepy dudes, as they say. I truly do not think that Kyle McLaughlin is a creepy type. I, Whenever he plays a creep, he pulls it off, and I think that's because he's a great actor. But that's not really the type he is. I think of him as a little sweetie. I think that Dale Cooper, who is the epitome of all light and goodness in the world, is the most appropriate role he's had and his best character. And I would like to see him play more characters who are just light and sunshine and goodness because he hasn't gotten that many chances to do that in his career. Um, Twin Peaks The Return is a good start. He he lights up my heart with joy and I want him to get more opportunities to do that. Um, Katie, yeah. would you join me in ending this episode mm-hmm. on a fuck, marry, kill with all, with all comma clockland characters? Well, if you insist. Alright. I am going to fuck Trey from Sex and the City because he likes getting rimmed. I'm going to marry the captain from How I Met Your Mother. All right. Just douchey enough. (laughs) And I'll I'll kill the evil Dale Cooper because he seems up to something. Oh, definitely. I think, Katie, (laughs) that the evil Dale Cooper... Mm -hmm might not have the best agenda. I'm really worried about him. <laughs> I can tell you right now, I'm going to marry Dale Cooper. He's a perfect man. This is all I want in my life is to marry Dale Cooper. I'm gonna fuck. Hmm, hold on. Let me look through this list. Ooh, Ooh so many choices. Um... <laughs> I'm actually looking through this and realizing, like, oh boy, I don't want to fuck most of these guys. Have some baggage. He's so handsome, but like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna fuck the captain from uh, fucking uh, that bad show, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, and obviously, I'm gonna kill the bad Dale Cooper. He is like potentially the source of all evil in the world. <laughs> I would be a fool not to. So thanks for listening, everybody. And next time you have Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. And if you want to vote on who we do after Michael B. Jordan, follow us on Twitter at Lenny Burnham and at Katie L. Wright. And keep your eye out for a poll. All right. And that's it. Later, guys. Do you find yourself unable to watch television? Who has the time? Well, luckily, we do. I'm Liam Sr. I'm Josh Phillips. We host a podcast where we watch old cancel TV for you. Musty TV every Thursday on the Major Cast Network. My father says we're crazy. My mother won't talk to me anymore. Thanks for listening to the Major Cast Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.